Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. From Tsunami Sushi in downtown Lafayette, we're Out to Lunch with Christian Maida, editor and publisher of The Current. It's business Acadiana style. Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mater. We all like to think our businesses are unique. We come up with a value proposition or a mission statement maybe designed to stick out in the market. But the reality is pretty much every industry is crowded with competitors or copycats selling pretty much the same thing. That's capitalism. Now throw in the internet and that landscape explodes. It doesn't just affect businesses that are used to locking down a local geographic advantage, like a car dealership, for instance. And my guest, Christy McMath-Abert, knows all about that. She's a third-generation auto dealer at Arsenault Ford in New Iberia. Her father courted her to the family business right out of college with the debut of a new Ford dealer incentive program. His offer, a salary, a car, and a paid-off student debt. Pretty good deal. So Christy took that opportunity and ran with it, and today she oversees the dealership's four departments and its 42 employees. And she's the first woman named chair of the Louisiana Automobile Dealers Association. Christy McMath, Bear, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's not just car dealerships that have dealt with a shifty playing field. Today, you can get any number of mental health services online, and not all of it provided by ChatGPT. The counseling industry has changed quite a lot, even for folks working locally. My guest, Shelly Killingsworth, is a counselor and the founder of Worth Counseling, a boutique counseling service that specializes in integrative mental health. The approach is holistic, as you might guess. Food, mind, body, and spirit affect mental health, Shelley says, and that guides how they treat their patients. In-person visits feature a sensory spa-like experience, and Worth also provides online services. She got her start as a contract counselor, developing enough clientele to launch Worth in 2019, and the center now employs nine counselors and is still growing. Shelley grew up in Elton, Louisiana, and now lives in Lafayette. Shelley Killingsworth, welcome to Out to Lunch. Happy to be here. So, Christy, a Ford, you know, I think of Ford, what it represents is a car brand, right? And so Ford is a kind of product you can buy anywhere in a way. It's a vehicle. You can buy them here. You can buy them there. And growing up, I remember shopping from dealership to dealership. You might go to that Ford dealer. You might go to that Ford dealer. And I would imagine the Internet makes that more complicated to an extent. I mean, like, you know, you could not just shop for Fords here. You might be looking at Fords in Bryan, Texas or whatever. So I'm generally curious how that works for y'all. Like when you're doing inventory, you're thinking about your marketing, are you just thinking about, say, the new Iberia, the Acadiana market, and who you need to sell for there? Or do you have an eye to who might I reach of traveling car buyers? Yeah, so the landscape has changed in the auto industry, mostly because of the internet, right? So I think for that, it's ever evolving, and it's ever evolving for customer demand. So when you, you know, car dealers originally started out, you had a Ford and a Chevy dealer in every small town across America. Now they're dwindling away, mostly because of internet, and they've been, you know, sucked up by some of the larger dealers um, that become more multiple rooftops, multiple franchises in one. But now with internet, what we really have to pay attention to is how to reach us. How to find us, how do they find those cars? Because it doesn't matter where you live. And we have all of the opportunity in the world now to bring it to you. Mm-hmm. We can do everything over the phone. We do, you know, all of our contract signing over the internet. Everything's digital signing with DocuSign. Yeah. So the world has changed in that area. So we do, we have to pay attention to that and yeah. make it easier. 
It's all about making it easy. So are are y'all attracting folks from, say, out of state? I mean, I feel like it's been, like I kind of said in that first question, pretty common for folks to sort of travel within a localized area, right? And say like, well, you know, they've got this version of the F-150 that I like, and it's got these colors, it's got this sort of stuff. But I mean, you have sort of an opportunity to compete at a larger playing field to people that might be regionally in terms of the nation, not just in terms of you know, our state. I mean, so are you consciously trying to reach those folks? Or are you still mostly focusing on the very hyper-local market? I guess well, there's like two sides of the fence to that. So in the local landscape and the focus locally is because we do want to service our customers that we sell. That is half of our job too, is to make sure these customers get taken care of. Um, and in order to do that, we've got to attract and maintain our market area, which is you know the, the certain distance around the dealerships. But on the other side of the fence is that we really pay attention to outside, ordering units that we know sell quickly and sell for good price points across uh, the country that we can get to easily. So we want to have that inventory in there so you can find us. We're really big on specialty units. You know, we love Ford Raptors. That's one of our things. If we get one, it's sold. It'll go to Kentucky. It'll go to Michigan. You know, it goes all over the country. And that's great for us because we know those units. We know how to sell them. We know how to order them. Hmm. And those guys that want that truck, they know where to find them. Hmm. And they find them through us. So, Shelly, kind of a similar first thought, you know, in, in your line of work. I, I have a friend I was talking to the other day, and he's seeing a counselor from Brazil, right, online, oh. right? And, okay. and so I'm thinking there are any number of wellness services you can get online, right? Yeah. Um, but you guys also offer online you know, counseling, right? So, I mean, is the idea for you that you're offering it more as a convenience to your local um, clientele, or is it something that you're hoping you could pick up a customer, I don't know, in Brazil or wherever it might be, right? Sort of go the opposite way. So COVID changed a lot of things for mental health, right? So now we're kind of changed into this hybrid model where We're seeing people in office, but we're also offering teletherapy. So the thing with that is it's really a helpful way to to get people to be more involved in mental health, right? Because it's a little bit more convenient for them in their experience. Um, As far as me getting somebody in Brazil, not possible, right? So counselors don't have portability. And what that means is I have licensure in Louisiana. I'm licensed here in the state of Louisiana, which means I can't see other clients from outside the state of Louisiana unless I'm licensed with that state. So we have policies and regulations and things are changing for us. Um, There's a compact that has recently started for counselors so that we can get some portability, but we're not exactly there yet. Right. Is, is that a creature just of doing this work in Louisiana or is it like, in other words, if you were opening your practice in mm-hmm. Missouri or whatever, yeah. is it just that, okay, no, in Missouri you might have laws that affect your licensure and whether you could, Absolutely. or is it just Louisiana? Oh, no, no. It's all over the okay. state. It's all over the world. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, schooling, licensure, um, like your licensing board, they're going to have different regulations and expectations. Um, so to be able to meet those regulations, expectations, you have to put in an application and making sure you're taking all the classes, that you're KCREP accredited, that you know, you're doing everything in your power to be an ethical provider in that particular state. Um, so for instance, I, this year one of my goals is to get licensed in the state of Texas. I've had clients that's moved there. 
um, it just makes sense to do that, right? So, you know, I, I do have other therapists in our community that are licensed in like Colorado or something like that. Um, but I think it's it's something that's going to be changing over time. It's slowly doing and transforming and becoming a little easier for us to provide services from all over the world. So am I just misunderstanding a little bit about how this works in terms of like the online marketplace? I mean, are those mm -hmm. folks, you know, like I, I can't think of a brand name off the top of my head, but I have this sense that there are these companies out there that say like sign up with wellness.com yes. and you can yes. we'll sign you up with a licensed social worker or whatever and they'll do a counseling. Is it just that they may have a network of people who provide in the various states? It's probably what it is. Oh, yeah, it's okay. probably what it is. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. I mean, it, you know, Christy, my appreciation is that historically, you kind of talked about this a little bit uh, earlier, right? Like that the idea was you had a Ford dealership, right, that serviced New Iberia. I mean, was that defined by a territory where like, you know, say your, your family, when they started theirs, they were allowed to be the only Ford dealer in that market to where you had to have uh, you know, you had a sort of retail geography that you were responsible for, and has that changed? Yeah, so it's in the automotive world, it's called a pri primary market area. Okay. And your PMA is designated to you by the franchise in your sales and service agreement of yeah. that particular franchise. It does change, and it changes as census comes out. Huh. So as population shifts, you know, they may leave one area, that area becomes more rural, or a rural area becomes more urban, and there's more dense population. So as population grows, the market area will grow with it, mm -hmm. but everything is designated by the franchise. Wow, so, and is that kind of policy set by the parent company, like Ford does this differently, say, Absolutely. than Chevrolet? Absolutely. Each of them have different, and every make has a different. So, you know, a Ford dealership may have a smaller PMA market by mileage. Huh. Uh, Chevy may have a similar, but some of the foreign markets, so if you notice, you know, in Lafayette, you don't have some brands here in Lafayette, but you may find them in Baton Rouge or New Orleans. That's because their market areas are larger. There's huh. a, w a wider distance in miles that you can have two franchise stores in. So, I mean, in a way, like the, the old model hasn't changed so much. I mean, do you see that changing at all going forward because dealers can operate sort of at a different sale and are obviously competing now with, you know, used services, right? Like Carvana or whatever. I mean, like, has that shifted how, uh, you know, the automotive industry is thinking about those types of arrangements? Yes, I, I think the landscape is definitely changing. And I think as Shelly pointed in the COVID, definitely flipped the script for auto dealers. You know, we were come into the store, physically walk in, physically touch, mm -hmm. physically everything. Now we learned very quickly, you don't have to step into the dealership to find the car you want that meets your needs that you could negotiate the price mm -hmm. and sign the contract and take delivery of it. Everything can be done over the telephone, over the internet, your mm -hmm. credit applications, everything can be done. But not just that, but the consumer demand for that grew. And as it continues to grow in that immediate gratification, that convenience, they don't want, you know, consumers don't want to be inconvenienced. They want it easy for them. And that's what we have to do. So you'll see it changing. I think you're going to see it change even more over the next several years um, as some of these non-rooftop uh, franchises, you know, want to come into the marketplace. We're regulated in the state of Louisiana very much as auto dealers, but you will see that pull in and they, you know, the, the landscape is going to change very, very quickly mm -hmm. and every dealer needs to be paying attention to mm -hmm. it. It's consumer driven. It's yeah. what we do. So Shelly, I mean, I want to talk a little bit about your services, right? Like yeah. the, the, the suite of things that you guys do, right? And when you talk about a concept like integrative mental health, I mean, something that's 
holistic that takes on you know an appreciation of you know how, how these different parts of you and your being yeah. and your physical well-being you know affect your mental health i mean do, do people come into your door generally looking for that approach they say i've heard of this and i want to try that out or is it that folks are just still looking for a good counselor and so they come to you and they sort of find this suite of services available to them yeah, so they're looking at a profile. They're looking at a person they see that might be suitable for their needs. Not particularly like being necessarily educated in like a theory, right? They didn't go to school to learn about theories. They want to learn more about the person providing the service. So for us in counseling, the relationship is the most important part of counseling. So building that rapport is really important. But I always let my clients know what to expect from me, like how I practice. What does that look like? Do you have questions about that? Does that, do you think that's gonna suit your needs? Um, and kind of tailoring it specifically to the individual client. Well, talk to me a little bit more about the theory here then. I mean, I think it makes an intuitive sense, right? Yeah. That. I mean, like I've long heard that, you know, gut health is mental health, right? I've heard people say Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So, so, I mean, in, in a, taking that approach as a licensed counselor, right, you might, maybe you're not a dietitian. I mean, sure. do you have to go to additional training to kind of link those things together? I mean, just talk to me about how you actually put those pieces together in a clinical environment. Yeah. So your gut is your second brain, right? So inflammatory responses, it's something that I really look at and make sure when my client comes in, the first thing we think about, the first thing we check on is, have you been to a doctor? Like, have you checked on your hormones? Have you looked at blood work? Um, you know, we want to focus in on the holistic whole body, right? Mind-body connection. Um, and doing that is looking at different parts, looking at different realms. The spiritual part, um, you know, the social part, the uh, active part, like are we getting out there, getting in the sun, are we staying active and, um, you know, getting our bodies um, and our nervous system kind of prepped to be balanced. So it's just a lot of different things that we're looking at, a lot of different layers, right? So as opposed to just a traditional therapist kind of coming in and doing the talk therapy, which I do that as well, very client-centered, very solution-focused, but I also bring in the diet, also bring in the nutrition, and I've had to do other certifications, of course, and education, and counselors are always learning, always growing. There's always something new, right, in research. Um, but I also work very closely with registered dietitians. I always have them in my pocket, for sure. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. I'm talking to Shelley Killingsworth of Worth Counseling and Christy McMath-Abair of Arsenault Ford. We'll be right back after this short break. Support for Out to Lunch at Katiana comes from Adita Corporate Staffing, Basics Swim and Gym, and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, Infinite Health Integrative Medicine Center, Michelle Weighing and Measurement, Calibration Services and Measurement Equipment Since 1947, New Orleans Ice Cream, available in select grocery stores, and Rev Realtors. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. I'm talking to Shelley Killingsworth of Worth Counseling and Christy McMath-Abair of Arsenault Ford. Christy, uh, you know, you talked a little bit about how, you know, the, the industry is driven by market changes and consumer demand. I, I was a little interested to see, you know, that 
let's correct me if I'm wrong here, about half of your, your revenues, right, are coming from the service side, meaning like the, the, the fact that people come to the car to get maintained or fixed or what have you. Is that a new phenomenon? I mean, you're still called a dealership, right? And I know that it's like you have a, a, a multi-center and, and every dealership does that too, but you, people tend to think of is it the front door of the business being the cars that you have on the lot. Um, is that reflective of a change in sort of the economics of the business or, or, or is that the way it's just always been? No, I think it changed because of the economics and, you know, the environment of the retail business. I think when it was first introduced, yes, you you would consider a dealership to be the front end. I'm going to buy my vehicle, and then that was it. You didn't give a second thought. But now with the way it has changed, because you can go and purchase your vehicle anywhere. Mm-hmm. You can go on the Internet and go in any state across the country and purchase it. It's registered to where you live. Now the service side of it, it comes into play. Mm-hmm. So that portion really took off probably for us about 10 years ago when we really started reaching out and um, selling across state lines, but also in the landscape of some of these bigger dealers came into the market. And when you looked at how they priced vehicles, how they promoted vehicles, the front gross profit started to go away. So as front gross profit went away, meaning we sell them for less, you're making less money, how do you then maintain? So in order to maintain, we increase our fixed op side, which is our parts and service side. So we really hit hard and really focused in on that and grew our service department um, to be what it is today. And, and that's where all that's where mostly the revenue comes in. Hmm. You know, in today's market, there's one thing you can't do. You can buy a vehicle anywhere, but you can't fix it any, er, sure. just anywhere, right. especially if you're under warranty, you know, and you've got to go back to these dealers. And now vehicles, you're driving computers. Mm-hmm. You know, the old school thought process of tinkering it you know, with it in your garage, you can't do that. You need a computer and you need, you know, very uh, high tech equipment and computer systems that read the diagnosis of the vehicle because it is. It's all a computer that you're messing with now. So, I mean, is it just generally the, the sense then, I mean, I feel like a, a, a parody between the two of you, right? It's like there's a there's a holistic approach to selling a car now, right? Like you're, you're kind of trying to keep people within the whole life cycle of vehicle ownership. Um, I mean, is it the sort of thing then that you're banking on? I think you touched on this a second ago and saying like, well, people are buying cars elsewhere, so we got to find a way to monetize their use of the vehicle locally. Is it still though that most of your service clients are folks that are uh, also, you know, purchasers, people who bought the car. Oh, absolutely. I think 60% of the customers that come back to our service department are purchasers. We have very loyal customers and we do that because of our service. If you give good service, they will come back. If you give horrible service, they're not coming back. You can attest to that. Uh, You know, that's, that's what we've created. And I think coming out of COVID and coming out of the new way of doing things, right, we've been able to even more tap into that market with uh, pickup and delivery. So we go pick your vehicle up and bring it back to you when we're done. We have mobile service opportunities. So we've got a mobile service van that can pretty much go anywhere and do your quick your quick lane services that you need. Yeah. So that that has definitely opened up that door. And also, you know, you got a good experience with that. You're more than likely to at least give us a shot to sell. Yeah. Okay. Um, Shelly, did you, you know, you guys, it, it strikes me that you kind of have a lower volume approach to your um, your clientele, right? I mean, you kind of manage a sh- what sounds like a smaller list of people. You know, that can be an attractive um, proposition for a patient, right? You get to spend more time with me, but I would presume that also means that it might be a little more expensive. I mean, talk to me about that balance that you've got to strike. I mean, how do you grow a business when you're, you're trying to focus on sort of this high-touch, high-intensity approach to who you're dealing with as opposed to, well, I'm going to get as many yeah. you know, clients booked this week as I can? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So that is something that I've been really learning and exploring and consulting with other people and business owners and what is that supposed to look like for me? And kind of just going through it and seeing what works for me and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. So for myself as the owner and kind of putting my hands in everything, I'm not able to see a ton of clients, mm -hmm. right? But sure. I like it like that because I want to really focus in on the clients that I do have and give them the energy that I have. Um, but in saying that, like I might not be seeing a ton of clients, I'm doing the other stuff, but my counselors are seeing lots of clients. So they're doing the extra work. They're seeing a lot of the other you know, referrals or uh, my overflow, so to speak. Yeah. So I think we can say it's a, maybe a high intensity sort of, you know, people calling in and giving us referrals because we do have a lot of referral bases in Louisiana and Acadiana, you know, school counselors, hospitals, um, OBGYNs. So we're getting those referrals um, and we have the heads to take those, those clients. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, a lot of counselors uh, that I know work independently, right? And yeah. you did that yourself. Yeah. I mean, the woman that I see works by herself, right? Yeah. I mean, so so what's the advantage from the counselor's side to go work for a center as opposed to say, hey, I'm going to you know hang my own shingle and do this yeah. by myself? I think it's the connector part, okay. right? So being with other counselors and being able to have that ability to consult and to sit down and collaborate on things is very, very important for us in our career. Um, and also being able to provide scheduling and coordination um, and doing those things so that they don't have to do that. They don't have to worry about that. All they have to worry about when they're in their office is giving quality care to their client. That's what I want them to focus in on. And that's why it's such a highlight to work in a group setting. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so, Christy, you know, one thing that I've observed, right, in having been in the car market relatively recently is, like, the days of haggling are gone, mm -hmm. right? I feel like you, you see some, you know, brands will say, like, we don't do haggling anymore, and maybe that was a, an advantage, but it seems like that's just generally the case for everybody. I had somebody explain it to me this way, well, how are you going to haggle when everybody's putting their prices on the Internet? That's it. <laughs> right? So it has me sort of curious about, like, the process of being a salesperson now, right? Where if like before the game was, here's my sticker price and I'm trying to get this car out the door at the best price for me, maybe the best price for my customer too, but you're still trying to eat away at that margin as little as possible. What does that mean for how you sell a car and how you actually generate profit? So for salespeople side of it is they become more than just selling the car and negotiating that, right? They're actually product specialists. Yeah. So they know the ins and the outs. They know the front, the back, how to work everything. And they their job really is to hone in on with you and what is going to really fit your lifestyle mm -hmm. and fit what you're looking for. But it's not just at that point of sale. It's at the time of delivery. So once you've negotiated and you've done it, you sign that contract, then now this product specialist follows you and walks you through uh, the next several months of engagement with the vehicle. Mm -hmm. Again, their computers. Mm -hmm. You know, not only do we have Bluetooth with telephones, but now we actually can start, stop our car. We can schedule uh, the start and stop of them through our telephones. You know, we can put our own Spotify playlist and push through our phone systems with these vehicles now. But how do you work that? How do yeah. you do it? And how do you make the most use of everything that that vehicle has? So those those needs have grown, and so now those salespeople have taken that part 
on and have become those product specialists. And that's what continues to grow them as well. And there's ancillary products. Sure. These guys make a lot, you know, their money really selling ancillary products, meaning, you know, uh, tire and wheel safety insurance policies, all that, but they've got to know what they're doing and know when it's right for the customer to do it. And that's where the market has shifted. Price may not be, you know, where you're going to make your money because you can't really negotiate because it is there. It's everywhere, but it's on everything else. So. Do, 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 does it, do people still come in like wanting the good deal? I mean, I feel like forever the idea of car buying was you were proud of the vehicle, but you'd go back to your friends and you'd say, man, you should see the deal I got on this car, right? So if everybody's buying at the same price point, I mean, is it just that they're saying, and I got a sweet deal on a warranty? I mean, is that what happens? So I don't think they talk about that as much, but I think they really talk more about their trade their trade value. So when yeah. they come in, the okay. negotiate on the front side is not as much of a big deal. They will. They'll haggle a little bit and be like, hey, I saw this one down the road. They're yeah. doing that. And, you know, everybody does have a little wiggle room, yeah. but really it's the trade. What yeah. did I get on my trade? How much money did they give me? That's where they really like to talk. <laughs> sure. So, Shelly, I mean, speaking of talking, I mean, do you, I, I am curious of sort of more about what your counselors and what your practice specialize in. I mean, lots of counselors maybe focus on certain areas of mental health and not others. I mean, when you say you have a holistic approach, people might hear yeah. that and say, well, they counsel everything. Right? Sure, sure. I mean, is that the message you're trying to send or do you tend to focus on anxiety disorders or mm -hmm. eating disorders? I mean, what, what, what would you say is sort of your calling card in terms of what your uh, practice does? So our mission is to help all members of Acadiana in building emotional and psychological wellness in the community. That's our mission. Right, so I'm gonna do something different. I do the holistic approach, but my other counselors are gonna have other specialties. So we have a diverse community in Acadiana. I have a diverse set of counselors in my practice. So we do the marriage and family counseling. We do the play therapy. We see the children, we do the teens, we do the adolescents. So each counselor in there is an expert in a specific field in one of the fields, or a few of the fields that I just named. Um, so Gottman trained in you know, marriage and family therapy. So we all do things very differently, but if you're coming and you're seeking my help, you're gonna get the holistic stuff, you're gonna get the integrative therapy, you'll get the somatic therapy, the client-centered. So you just have to do your research. So looking on psychology today um, is a really great directory for people seeking out therapists. So it's essentially a catalog of counselors in the area of specific things that they do and the way that they do it and the theories <clears throat> that they, they use or that they fall behind. Um, so as the client, very important for them to do the research to, to see, you know, who's going to fit for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess one thing, that if you're in the market for buying a car or a therapist, you got to do your research, right? I mean, that's the thing that we'll spend hours and hours doing. And if you're a customer... It's never bad advice. Um, Christy and Shelly, thank you for joining me today on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Thank you. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch Acadiana today have been Christy McMath Abear of Arsenault Ford in New Iberia and Shelly Killingsworth of Worth Counseling in Lafayette. We edited this conversation and fit into our time slot here on KRBS, and you can hear our unedited conversation. Find out more about Christy and Shelly by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast. You can find and subscribe on your podcast app and on our website, it's acadiana.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on it's acadiana.com and on our Out to Lunch Acadiana social media. These photos were taken by Aster Morgan, and you can find more of his photos at astermorgan.com. 
Out to Lunch Acadiana is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRBS 88.7 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Chad Terrio. Our researcher is Leah Erdialis. And today's show was engineered by Dylan Babineau. I'm Christian Mader, editor of The Current, Lafayette's nonprofit news outlet. To get the scoop on Lafayette, head over to thecurrentla.com and sign up for our free newsletters. We'll see you next time for more business and conversation on Out to Lunch Acadiana. See you later. Out to Lunch Acadiana was recorded live over lunch at Tsunami Sushi on Jefferson Street in downtown Lafayette. Tsunami is open Tuesday through Saturday for lunch and dinner, serving sushi, sashimi, salads, and authentic Japanese grilled dishes. Tsunami welcomes casual dining or reservations. More information at servingsushi.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.